0: Hey family, this is Javera Fitzbogle, and I am the creative director of the Detox Movement Global Ministries. And this is our podcast. We wanna thank you for joining us today. We hope that it blesses you. We hope that it challenges you and we hope that it encourages you to see that God is moving in your life. So come grow with us and enjoy the message. What is going on everybody? How you doing? Yo, what is going on? What is going on,
1: people? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Unmute yourselves and say what's up. What is going on? How y'all doing? How y'all doing? What's the deal? Yo, I'm so excited. Yo, what up, Hayden? What's up? Yo, yo, yo. What's going on? What's happening, everybody? How you doing? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome, guys. Who we got in here? We got Brandon. What's up, B dog? How you living? Oh, See, what's great. Going on? You got Thank Look, you. Look, Marky came through. What's up, girl? Yo, I'm so glad that you're here. Aaliyah, welcome. <laughs> Amber, welcome. Ashley, welcome. Chaz is in the house. Chaz is out Thank there in Miami, man. I love it, Chaz. Welcome. CJ, what up? What's up, Christine? What's, what's up? Jackie's in here. We got Javante in here. Jessica's in here. Man, I'm going to just go on this list. Dammy's in here. Lori's in here. Kaitlyn's in here. Kaden's in here. Justin's in. Yo, everybody, welcome, man. Rebecca, Rhea, Patty. How y'all living? How y'all living? It's so good to see you guys, man. Welcome to our detoxify Bible studies, man. Guys, let me tell y'all something. Let me tell y'all something. I'm so excited. You know why I'm excited? Not only is it Bible study, but I get to see all y'all faces again. Now, let me tell y'all something, man. It is such a privilege and it's an honor to come here every single week and just share God's word with you. If you don't know, if this is your first time here, uh, my name is Javert Fitzbogle. I am the creative director of the Detox Movement Global Ministries, and this is our Bible study, man. We come here every single week and we dive into God's word. I'm telling you, has it been blessing, y'all? I want to know. Has it been? If it's been blessing, you put it in the comment section, like, yo, I've been blessed. Tell me how you feel, how blessed you've been, and if it's your first time, welcome. I wanted to say to anybody who is, this is your first time. Put in the comment section, this is my first time. Detox Tammy's going to send you a message. We'd love to connect with you. We're so glad to have you. I want everybody in here to do me the biggest favor. Yo, we do this every single week. Every single week, we come hard like stale bread. You feel me? So I need everybody in here to do it, okay? I want you to put one word Oh, one emoji in the comment section to explain how you are feeling today. One emoji or one word. Not, you can't use two. Not two emojis, one emoji and one word. Put it in the comment section. I want to know how y'all are feeling today. I want to see
0: how everybody's doing. Yo, I'm streaming from my phone today, guys. So it's a little unorthodox. Oh, we got charged.
1: Oh, I like the lightning bolt. Let's go, Justin. Let's go. Rebecca got the smiley face. Damn, we got the head blown i love it we got the hands up by jessica i see you we got the smiley face by amber keep it keep it up keep it up oh we got those eyes who's that saquon what's up what is happening smiley faces all day yo i love it man i'm so glad to see you guys are doing well that you're blessed you're that you're thriving in jesus name man i'm so excited y'all we have been diving into this bible study like it's nothing has this series in the trenches been a blessing to you guys? Now we have dived in for the past five weeks into God's word, talking about this this series entitled "In the Trenches," where we're shifting the narrative on what it means to be in the trenches. I'm telling you right now, when you are in the trenches, life feels different. Whether life feels hard, whether you're challenged, whether your perspective is challenged, I'm telling you, it becomes a difficult place for us to be in sometimes. And so this sh- this series has been about shifting the narrative, changing the perspective on what it means to be in the trenches and in a trench-like experience. We've gone through different dynamics of what it means, but in the trenches is not always a bad thing. Sometimes it's a place where you experience God. Sometimes it's a place where God gives you assignment. Sometimes it's a place where God gives you purpose. Sometimes you gotta stay in the trench because God wants you to see something. Sometimes you gotta live in the trench because God wants you to remain there. But sometimes when God takes you out, he gotta send you back. And that's what this series has been about. It's been understanding what does it mean to be in the trenches when life gets hard, when things come at you rough, like what do you do when things get hard? And so I pray that this series has been a blessing to you. He has definitely been blessing me. Today is actually going to be our last week in this, in this series. And I'm telling you, I'm excited what God is going to share today. Now, normally we've gone, through, we've gone through a lot of different ways of delivering God's word. We've had days where we dive in the passage and we went verse by verse. We've had days where we read super long texts. We've had days where we had a, a whole lesson off of like one whole verse or two verses. There is no p- specific way for us to learn. We all learn differently, and however God speaks to us, that's how God speaks to us. And I would love if every single person that comes to these meetings would draw that conclusion and draw that understanding that God may speak to each and every single one of us differently. But my goal, my business, and my prerogative is to figure out how God speaks to me. Each and every single person here, that is your mandate. How does God speak to me? Because when you figure out how God speaks to you, listen, you're going to understand. A whole world is going to open up for you. You're going to start to listen differently. Your perspective is going to change, and God starts to do some amazing things. So we're going to dive into God's word today, and I am so lit. I'm so excited. This is our week, uh, week five in our, excuse me, week six in our series in the trenches. I'm so excited. Today's message or teaching is entitled in the house. Write that down, in the house. There was something powerful that happens when Jesus comes in the house. We're going to be reading from Luke chapter 19. Y'all know we've been spending a lot of time in Luke. Our first series, our miracle series, was a blessing. We spent a lot of time in Luke. We're going back to the gospel of Luke. If you got your Bibles, pull it out, your notepads, pull it out. Whatever you write in your notes with, y'all, just pull it out. Just pull it out. But We're about to dive into God's work. Luke chapter 19. We're going to have a little bit of reading here. And although we've read, um, you know, smaller passages, we're going to have a little bit of reading here because there's some perspective that we need to draw out. We're going to read Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. I'm going to read that quickly for you. And then we're also going to read Luke chapter 19, verses 41 to 46. I'm going to read with you now. It says, and Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief amongst the publicans. And he was rich. My guy was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not before the press was too great before him, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up to a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass him in that moment. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Verse 6, and he made haste and came down and received him with joy. And when he saw it, they all murmured, saying, is that guy? like? How could Jesus spend time with this guy? He's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, behold, the half of my goods that I have, I will give it to the poor. And I have anything that I've taken from anyone in false accusation, I shall restore unto him fourfold. And Jesus said to him, this day is salvation come to this house. But so much as he also Is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Jump with me to verse 41. In verse 41, it starts off by saying, And when he was near, or when he had come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even you and the least of thy day, that these things which belong unto you, thy peace, but now they are hid from thy eyes, for the day shall come upon you that thy enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and encompass thee around, and keep thee on thy side. Mm. And shall they lay and shall they lay even your children into the ground, and they shall not even leave one stone unturned upon them together. But you know it's not the day of thy visitation. Verse 45. And he went to the temple and began to cast out them and sold therein, and they bought, saying unto them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Mm, and he taught in the temple thereof. Yo, let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, in the name of Jesus, for another day, another opportunity to dive into your word. Father, we thank you, God, for bringing us as far as you have now. Father, we thank you, God, for your revelation, for your knowledge, for your understanding. We pray, God, that you will bring clarity to our ears and bring sight to our eyes. For we understand that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So, Lord, I pray that everything that comes out of my mouth be of your Holy Spirit, so that it will be equipped with the nutrients necessary to build up the faith of your people. Father, we thank you, God, for what you're doing. And we step into this Bible study with expectation in Jesus' name. Amen. This message is entitled, in the house. Now we'll see here in Luke chapter 19, a lot of things is going on. I want to paint some context so you know what's happening. In verse one, we see that there is a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a rich man. He was a wealthy man. Uh, he was somebody who uh, financially, my boy was good. He was good. You know what I'm saying? He had it together. He had a good little job and he had money. He stored his finances while he was an intelligent type of man. The scriptures say in verse one, and it came to pass that this in these specific days, while as he taught to the people in the temple and preached to the, oops, sorry, we're in the wrong segment here. What happened? There we go. And he looked up to him, verse one, and saw the rich men casting their gifts. What is going on here? Y'all bear with me one second. That is not the scripture we just read. My thing is acting a fool. Here we go. 19 verse one, let's try that again. It says, and Jesus entered and passed through Jericho and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus, we know was a rich man. He was a wealthy man. He was somebody who had money. But one thing Zacchaeus didn't have was Zacchaeus didn't have height. Now, some of you can probably relate to this. Uh, I don't know how tall everybody is here, but I'm 6'1". I think the American average is like 5'11", plus tax if, if you need it. But for the most part, he was below average height. So we see here that he came. There was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief among the publicans, and he was rich or wealthy in money. And he sought to see Jesus. So he went to a place where he knew Jesus was. Now, how many of you can relate to this experience where you realize that you might be at a specific disadvantage in your life, where you might be shorter than everybody else? You might not have it all put together, have everything going on, but you're at like a disadvantage. How many can relate to that? Like, man, I just don't have enough money. I just don't have enough academics behind my background. I don't have enough education. I don't have enough understanding. How do you know what it feels like to be handicapped? Or what do you know about when it feels like you just don't have enough? You just don't have what you need to get to the place of where you think you need to get to. This man's a kid's had what was considered a handicap, although he wasn't handicapped. He was handicapped by society standards because he was very, very short to where he could not do things that other people could do. So here comes Jesus now. He's in town. And this man realizes like, yo, I want to come to see this this Jesus that people talk about. And he goes to a place where the crowds are, where where everyone flocked together. We find ourselves here in verse three. And it says, and he sought to see Jesus, who he was and could not for the press because he was little of stature. Verse 4, it says, and he ran before and climbed into the sycamore tree. Mm. First off, I just want to say, shout out to everybody who's short. Uh, I think you guys are amazing. I think God is doing a great thing in your life. I don't want you to stress about being short. But what I do want you to understand is sometimes you just don't have certain things. Like, you just don't have height. You, you, might, you might not be tall. Like, you might have skills, but you're just not tall enough to make it to the NBA. You might have, I don't know, good finances, but you might not just be smart enough to make it into a certain school or a certain position or a certain job. Sometimes you just don't have certain things, but how many of you know that you always have everything that you need? The Bible says that he was a rich man and although despite his wealth and all the money that he had, he was at a disadvantage and he lacked the height necessary that he needed in order to see where Jesus was. This is especially important because Jesus teaches us um, and he teaches us in scripture that although we may be strong in certain areas, we might be weak when it comes on to obtaining the things of God or finding Jesus. In other words, the things that you're good at, the things that you're strong at, those aren't things that you can use to just get to Jesus. Like your merit won't get you to Jesus. Your finances won't get you to Jesus. Your, how smart you are won't get you to Jesus. But sometimes you just don't have it. And you have to realize that even though God has equipped you with what you need to live life well in a certain area, you might need some sort of a different intellect or mindset when it comes on to finding God or stepping into the place where God is. And so have you heard of the scripture that says that God will make you a new creation? He'll make you a new person. He'll make you a right and new spirit within you. Because when we are made new, we are then in a different position where we're able to connect with God. This man was not a Christian man. He's somebody who heard about Jesus and he wanted to know more about who Jesus is. All of us can relate to that at some point in time. Like, yo, I didn't know who Jesus was. I didn't know where, where we were going. I didn't know what to do. All I know is that God is God, and I need him, and I need to get to a point to where he can give me. This man was in a place to where he wanted Jesus. He wanted him so bad that he came to the crowds and realized, yo, I can't even see Jesus because I'm too sure I'm at a disadvantage. So this man found himself in a place where he had to use something else. Y'all write this down. All that you have is all that you need. This man may not have had the height necessary to stand and find Jesus, but he had the intellect necessary to stand there and find Jesus. In verse 4, says, and he ran before and climbed up the tree, for he was to pass that way. That means that this man had what we call a skill or a talent or a gift. He was intelligent. He wasn't just good with money. He didn't just have a good job, but he had something else. He realized that, you know what? I'm not taller than everyone else, but I'm going to do everything that I can do to get into the place where Jesus was. Zacchaeus, he had intellect. He was known for these things like his riches, but he wasn't known for his intellect. Adversity was placed in front of him, but he chose to not let adversity prevent him from getting to the place where God was. What he had didn't get him to Christ, but his desire to see God got him there. Write this point down. All you have is all you need, but all you have when you're under is all you need to get over. All you have when you're under is all that you need to get over. You see, that was what this whole series about In the Trenches was about. It's understanding that even though you might find yourself in a disadvantage, a place where things just don't feel right, things just aren't going well, I'm in the trenches, I I found myself in a rut, I don't know what I'm going to do, God, how do I get out of this place that I'm in? Well, it's to understand that all that you have while you're under is everything that you need to get over. God never allows us to be in a position where there is never a way out. The Bible says that in all things, he has provided us a way of escape. And so when we find ourselves in a hole or we find ourselves in a trench or we find ourselves in an experience that isn't conducive, it's not something we like, there is, number one, always a way out. And number two, God has always given us that way out. We just have to find what that way is. But what happens more often than not is most people will say, you know what, life is going hard. I know I need Jesus. But I'm going to stay in a place that's comfortable. And I'm not going to come out of a place that's comfortable and go into a place that makes me stand out and makes me feel different and makes me feel like, you know what, I'm on my own. And they end up missing on their blessings. We see that Jesus was walking in a progression that was to pass where Zacchaeus was. This teaches to us that Jesus wasn't there necessarily for Zacchaeus, but he was on his way in a certain direction. And Zacchaeus knew that no matter what, he was not going to allow this opportunity to pass him by. So he did what? He put himself in a position where he could experience God's hand over his life. The Bible says that Jesus or God is not a respecter of persons, but he's a rewarder to them who diligently seek him. There's something powerful in diligently seeking God, even though you might be at a disadvantage. Diligently seeking God, even though the cards don't add up for you, diligently seeking God, even though it doesn't make sense for you to come out the space that you're in, but you know you have to come out because God is pushing you into another level. There is something powerful about diligently seeking God, meaning nothing that comes against you can prevent you from going and moving and doing what God has called you to do. We have to develop a mentality of Zacchaeus to say, you know what? Even though this doesn't make sense for me, Even though I might be at a disadvantage, even though I don't have what I think I need to get to the place where I want to be, I'm still going to go because I believe that God is going to give me everything that I need to step into a place where he has called me to be. This man had position. He was a chief or a chief publican. And although he had position, that position was not enough. He needed determination and determination is that element that we need the bible says that he who endures to the end shall be saved there is something powerful about endurance what is that thing in your life that is preventing you from stepping out of a place that's comfortable from a place that you're common with and stepping into a place where you're standing out on a limb by yourself to where it feels like that nothing is there with you that god is not with you that, your body, that everybody can see you look crazy But what is that thing that's preventing you from taking that step to climb that tree? This man said, not even a tree is going to prevent me from receiving the blessings of God. This is so good. All that hard work that he put into his position meant nothing when it came on to meeting Jesus. And so he realized that I have to do more. I have to draw near. I have to get to a place where I'm pushing to see Jesus. Write this point down. Nothing you do goes unnoticed to God. Nothing you do goes unnoticed to God. Notice Jesus and he will notice you. Nothing you do goes unnoticed to God. Notice Jesus and he will notice you. It was interesting to note that when Jesus got to the place where Zacchaeus was leaning over on the tree, The Bible says that he recognized him. That he looked up to Zacchaeus in the tree and he said these words now in verse five. So that Jesus came to the place in verse five and he took, he looked up and saw him and said this, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down for today I must abide in your house. For today I must abide in your house. This is so powerful because Jesus decided to respond to action. This teaches us that even though we may be believers or we may not be believers, there still is a responsibility when we pursue God. And so Zacchaeus decided to take a step in faith and say, hey, I'm going to pursue Jesus and I'm going to make sure that he sees me. Number one, Jesus sees you. But number two, even though Jesus sees you, when you notice Jesus, he will always notice you. There was a, a woman in the Bible, who she was referred to as the woman with the issue of blood. She was like, man, like, I need to be healed. I need Jesus. And there was nothing that's going to prevent me from getting to that place where Jesus is. And the Bible says that Jesus was on his way in a certain direction, and the multitudes followed him. It was very difficult to get to him because they pressed on him in so much that it was hard to reach him. The Bible says that she found her way through the masses and was not able to reach Jesus, but she came close enough to touch the hem of his garment. Something happens when you draw near to God. The Bible says that he draws near to you. In verse 6, and he made haste and came down and received him with joy. And verse 7, and when they saw it, they all murmured saying, yo, like, how could Jesus want to spend time with this sinner? Now, I'm telling you the truth. God came to do more in your life. But a part of doing more requires that you change the heart posture, that you change your heart posture. And by changing your heart posture, it simply means putting yourself in a perspective where you're no longer going to say that something is going to hinder me from the place or the plan that God has for me, but I'm going to allow myself to then pursue God at all costs. The Bible says that this man had a heart change, and his heart posture is what compelled him to
2: have a heart action.
1: How many of us can say this that when Jesus is passing by, we don't necessarily desire to pursue him. I think the struggle with a lot of Christians today, people who know who Jesus is and they desire to go deeper with him, is, is although we take that step of acceptance or we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. More often than none, we don't desire the pursuit. You see, it's the pursuit of Jesus that ultimately leads to transformation in God. In verse 7, it says, And when they saw it, there are people around you that just they're not gonna care for you, they're not gonna be there for you, their heart is not gonna be set up in a position to where they can experience God, but you have to make that decision. That even if I'm in a place or an environment that is not healthy for me to accept Jesus. That when God comes into your life, you're not gonna let this pass you by. I made up in my mind 15 years ago that I was gonna pursue God even though I had accepted him my whole life. There comes a time of acceptance where you become made new and he becomes your savior. And there's a time of pursuit where you experience transformation. Something was about to happen to this man. And in verse 8, it goes on to say, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods i give to the poor and half and the other and the rest of it i have taken from people falsely i will restore unto them fourfold the power in this scripture is understood when this man made a decision watch this when jesus came into that man's house and said come down take me to your home for that is now where i will abide that hit me so hard because when jesus decides to live in someone or live or abide in someone's home the word abide means to dwell it means to stay in a place and to function there it means you're not about to you know pick up and leave this is where you will be there's a difference between like just living somewhere like renting and abiding somewhere where you thrive there and you function there. Jesus was telling this man, listen, I'm going to come into your life. And when I come into your house and I come into your life, I'm going to abide there. And I felt somewhere in that scripture, this man caught a glimpse of revelation where he knew that Jesus abiding in his home meant that Jesus would be with him forever. And the scriptures say that we know of that Jesus went to this man's house to abide there. And in that next verse, he began to tell Jesus, listen, whatever it is that I got, I'm going to give it to the poor. Not only am I going to give it to the poor, but everything that I stole, I'm also going to give it back in fourfold. This teaches us that not only was this man a sinner who didn't know God before, but yet he was in pursuit of Jesus because he realized that he needed something more in his life that his previous life could not give him. He made a decision to accept Jesus after Jesus said, hey, I'm going to come. And when Jesus comes into his life, this man experiences transformation. But what's powerful about this transformation, as we've been reading and studying all these weeks now leading up into scripture, is that Jesus didn't perform a miracle. He didn't lay hands. Jesus didn't even go out. He just didn't do anything. Jesus just showed up and this man experienced transformation. This leads me to believe that Jesus is present. Wherever Jesus went, Jesus changed lives just from being present. This man experienced change and transformation in God just because Jesus came to abide in his house. My question for you today is, have you allowed Jesus to come into your life and abide? And the fruit and the evidence of whether or not Jesus is really abiding in you Abiding in your life, abiding in your home is when you see the evidence of transformation without God doing anything. You see, Jesus himself, right? People, how I say this: people like to experience miracles. The Bible says that all as the masses followed him, as the masses followed Jesus, that even though they followed him, most of them were just there for food. They wanted to get food because they know that Jesus could make matter fall from heaven. They wanted food. Not only did some of them want food, others just wanted to see a sign. Others just wanted to see miracles. Others just wanted to know what happened next. We call them TMZ Christians. They just want to know what's up. What you got next? What's going down with this celebrity? Oh, we got listen, we got a report. So you know what? Let's follow. They were there just to see what Jesus would do. But then there are some people who come into the presence of God, not seeing what Jesus can do, but asking, what can God do for me? If I find myself in the place where Jesus is, can Jesus change my life around? If I go to where Jesus is, can Jesus transform me? If I find out where Jesus is going and I put myself in plain sight, will Jesus rescue me? Will Jesus save me? If I draw near to him, will will Jesus draw Will Jesus draw back to me? If I I draw to him, will will he draw to me? What will happen if I find myself in the presence of God? In the presence of God, lives are changed. I think the powerful thing to pull from this is that even though Jesus walked the face of the earth, then he doesn't walk the face of the earth now. Which leads us to believe that this man experienced not just Jesus, but his presence. Because when Jesus is gone, we can't say that, that this man still can't experience transformation because people are getting experiencing transformation every single day. I mean, I'm experiencing transformation. I think some of you are experiencing transformation and Jesus is not here, which means that the presence of God is the power of God. And as Jesus came into this man's house, this man experienced God's power through Jesus's presence. And as the scriptures teach us, like in John chapter 14, the spirit of God dwells and lives on the inside of us. Now, that same power that Jesus had on the inside of him is the same power that's now on the inside of you, which leads me to understand that the anointing of God, that the power of the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of me, dwells on the inside of you, which would suggest that wherever you go, the presence of God should be felt. And the presence of God should be effective. My question for you today is, can people feel God's presence around you? Because if they can't feel God when they're around you, they can't feel God when they're anywhere else. let Let me say that correctly. I don't think I said that right. If they can't feel God around you, then it's an indicator that perhaps you're not walking in the authority that God has on the inside of you. There is an anointing That is on the inside of each and every single one of you. That is the same type of anointing that when Jesus walked into the house, as you walk into the house, people should feel God in the same way. This means that wherever you go, transformation in Christ should exist. God came into this man's house and this man experienced transformation, not because Jesus laid hands, but because Jesus showed up. In verse 10, it says this. It says for, for, uh, excuse me, on um, the end of verse nine. let me get to verse 10. It says this. It says, this day is salvation. Salvation has come to this house. Why? Because Jesus has come to this house, but this man has accepted it. This is so powerful. Not everywhere Jesus went, salvation followed. Salvation followed wherever Jesus went, and people accepted him. This leads us to understand that there is a role to play when drawing near to God and God drawing near to you. This man went up into a tree to make himself visible so that when Jesus came up, Jesus had to respond to his action and his obedience and his faith. Jesus had to respond to his obedience. He said, because you did all that, I'm going to do all this. When When Jesus said to this man, In verse 5, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must abide in thy house. Jesus actually went to this man's house. But the revelation behind this was that even though Jesus abided in his house, Jesus came to abide in him. Because if the man left the house, we cannot say the presence of God only stayed in the house and the man was now back to normal. But what we can say is that as this man lives in his house, so shall the spirit of God. Wherever Zacchaeus went, he experienced this transformation. And I want to motion this thought to you today, that when Jesus comes by, do you do everything in your power and ability to put yourself in a position to where Jesus has to respond to your faith? The woman of the issue of blood did everything in her ability just to get close enough, and she still didn't reach it to Jesus, but she got close enough to touch a hem of his garment. That hem of his garment is the same thing as this tree that this man climbed up. There are extensions of our actions that result in the anointing and the obedience of God. In verse nine, it says, this day is salvation come to this house. For so much as he also is the son of Abraham, he's talking about him now as a child of God, for so much as he is also for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. He's out saying, now you are a child of God, but you'll experience salvation because of your obedience and your faith. Verse 10, for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus comes into the picture in every point in scripture with one motive in mind to save souls. And so wherever he went, the power of God followed The presence of God followed, and people who accepted his power and his presence experienced transformation. Some of us can sit here today and we can ask ourselves this question I've accepted Jesus, but have I accepted change? Because when Jesus comes into the equation, he wants you to accept salvation. But the second component is will you accept transformation? Zacchaeus chose to accept Jesus and to accept transformation. Jump with me here to verse 41. We see here that now it says, and when he was come near, and when he had come near, I said, when he had come near to behold the city, something happens every time Jesus comes near. I think the beauty behind it is that now Jesus is always near. So the scripture was talking about how Jesus came to a place. And so his presence followed. But now in today, because his spirit lives in us, he's always near. Then then how is it that if Jesus is always near, we are still yet so far from his presence and his power? Family, I've come here today to tell you that acceptance in Jesus Christ is just one step. Transformation in Jesus Christ comes when you accept his presence. When you invite Jesus not just into your life, but you invite Jesus into your home, you start to experience supernatural shifting in your life. In this specific portion, verse 46, about 47, 48, what's happening in this context was Jesus was finding his way down to the city. This was the city of Jerusalem where um, a lot of things happened, where miracles happened, it was close to the place of his birth. A lot of Christians lived in this city. And he got to a place now where he was near the city in verse 41. As we bring this to a close, verse 41 says this. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. Why did he wept when he came near? Because when he came near, he came close to something that his people were doing. The reason why Jesus weeps when we do wrong is because he's close. Jesus feels everything that we do because he's close. So when he comes near to the city and he wept over the city, the scripture doesn't say why he wept. Verse 42, it says, saying, If thou had known, even thou, at least in this day, the things in which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. I question for like the whole day, like, God, why did you weep? Just to find out in Luke chapter 21. It begins to talk about why Jesus was so sad. Jesus was sad because he realized that the people of Israel, God's people, the people of Jerusalem—excuse me, the people of Jerusalem—that they were rebelling against him by adulterizing other things that were not his. We learn in Scripture that they had made tabernacles of gold and luxurious things. That they turned their father's house, the church into a place that was lavish and it was all about money. Jesus was hurt on how they took his message and perverted it. And so Jesus steps into this verse here and now he weeps because he's close. And he tells them, if you had known this day that I was coming, then you would understand the peace of God that is over your life. But now it is hid from you because you missed me. Some people think that they can't miss God, just like they can't miss their way into heaven. But the truth of the matter is this Jesus comes and Jesus goes. The scriptures tell us he'll provide an opportunity for everyone to experience him, but Jesus comes and Jesus goes. The question is when Jesus comes, will you draw near? Because when you draw near to God, something supernaturally happens. You begin to experience. Transformation in Christ. I'm gonna run through this here. It says now in verse 43, it says, For the day shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and encompass thee around and keep thee on every side. Now, here's a little bit of Bible context so you can understand what was going on here. Jesus was so hurt to find that his people were perverting his house, was perverting. The church was perverting the temple, was perverting their temple, was perverting their body, was perverting their Jesus was so hurt to see what these people were doing to themselves. He began to give them a prophetic word. And he said, Now, all this time, of you understanding what the trenches were, let me show you what the trenches will do when you don't accept me. Family, I've come here today to tell you we have spent five weeks in this series, In the Trenches. And we have defined and identified what the trenches are not. But today I'm gonna tell you what the trenches are. The trench is such a hard place to be in that if you don't find your way out, that trench will consume you. In every single reference, in every single point in scripture, the word trench or trenches has been illustrated in the scriptures nine times. And each of those nine times, you can find different references and understanding on how the trench is a good place to be. But today I've come here today to tell you that the trenches is also a bad place to be. That when you find yourself in this experience, if you don't find God, this trench can consume you. And Jesus comes in and prophetically tells them, because of your excuse me, because you chose not to accept me. That hole that you dug is the hole that will bury you. He tells them that soon in due season, the Romans will come and they'll kill you and they'll kill your family and they'll kill your children and your wives and everything that you have and they'll not even leave one stone unturned all because you chose not to draw near to me. Today, I want you to understand that there is something powerful in understanding the value of the trench. But let's not be mistaken. Although the trench has value to understand, it is a place that if you're not careful, it will consume you. It'll take you out and it will leave you in a place of isolation and drive you ultimately to the pit of hell. You see, God came to save us, to restore us, to redeem us. He came to, to present an opportunity for us to accept him. The same opportunity he gave Adam when he said, don't eat. It's an opportunity to obey God. And as Jesus is walking, I want every single person listening under the sound of my voice to understand this, Jesus will keep going. And there will come a time, not only if you don't accept him, but if you don't draw near to him, you won't experience the life that God desires for you to live. You see, back then Jesus walked the earth and he went physically to his house. But today Jesus is not present, but he still walks this earth spiritually and he's desiring to come on the inside of you. That that transformation that he is desiring for your life, can only happen when you accept him. You accept him in the place that he has you. And even if you find yourself in the trenches, God has even come to redeem us from that. You see, we serve a good God, one who understands what the trench will do to us if he leaves us there. The scriptures say that they were circled around, pressed on every side, and their enemy destroyed them. And when I began to dig deeper into that context, I understood why. The whole city was built on gold. When Jesus said this, as I jump down and bring this, this, this lesson to a close in verse 44, um, uh, excuse me, verse 46, and Jesus saying unto them, it is written, my house, my house, my house, my house, there's something powerful about Jesus and his house. That his house should not be made a den of thieves. It shall not be made a place of perversion. That his house shall not be made a place of sin. Jesus is talking about his temple, but the spirit is telling us today that he's talking about our bodies. More often than none, we spend time and I know we're going over time here today, but I want to just stress this importance today, that your body is a temple in which the Holy Spirit dwells. And every single time we choose to not obey and to follow, we find ourselves here in verse 46. When we indulge in sin, we find ourselves in verse 46, saying unto them, it is written, my house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. I want to present an opportunity today to not just pray for somebody, but to give us a moment where we can confess some things, not confess to each of us in here, but for you to, to confess to God, to give that, that just a moment of reflection where you can look and say, God, I should not have been defiling my temple yesterday. I know I sat at home and I watched porn. God, I should not have been defiling my temple. Father, I know that I've been sleeping around. I should not have been defiling my temple. God, I know that that I shouldn't be around here drinking. I shouldn't be putting perversion and anger and lust and so many different things into my body. I'm eating greed every single day. Father, I know that this is a temple of prayer, a temple of worship. But Lord, I want you to come into my life today and wash me and change me. And I want to tell you that that way today is to draw near to God. Everyone bow your heads with me. I just want to present an opportunity while I'm talking for you to take a moment to just talk to your heavenly father. To let him know, Lord, I I see that my home is not a place that I should be defiling, but it's a place that is holy and righteous. And you want to come and abide on the inside of me. Lord, I ask that you help me to do that thing now. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you, God, for each and every single person here tonight. Lord, I thank you, God, for what you're doing in their lives. I know that it is a perfect work lacking nothing. And although we may stray sometimes, Father, and we find ourselves in a place of sin and just discord in our hearts, Father, I pray that you would restore unto us the joy of our salvation. Father, I thank you for every single person in here that has given their life to Jesus. And now I'm going to present an opportunity, Father, where others who have not given their life to Christ can do the same. Because, Father, we understand that living a life without you is living a life in the trenches. It's living a life in a ditch so deep that the only way out is to draw near to you. Father, I'm going to pray for them right now. Father, I thank you, God, for each and every single person here. I pray that you would cover them in Jesus' name. And if that is you and you want to give your life to Jesus, and you want to understand what is this this—what is this life that everyone's talking about? What is this transformation that I'm hearing about? Not only do I want to accept Jesus, but I want to experience transformation. I want to experience transformation in Christ. I'm going to pray this prayer for you, and I pray that you would receive it, not just hear it. Because it's the receiving of God's word that gives you salvation. And it's the drawing near of God's word that will give you transformation. Father, I thank you, God, for that person right now, Lord, who's desiring to give their life to Jesus. I pray, God, that you would stay, that you would stand with them, that you would come and live on the inside of them. Father, curate a different kind of lifestyle, change their perspective, build them up from the inside out. We thank you, Father. Receive them right now, God, as they receive you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen, family. Amen, guys. Thank you so much. Let's give Jesus a round of applause, man. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for being present, for standing here, for diving into God's word with us. I pray that it was a blessing, that it gave you insight. I encourage you guys to read that and to really submerge yourself in that lesson. Because there's so much for us to take away from it. There's so much for us to pull away from it. And it's understanding that, that we have to draw near to Jesus, that this life that we're designed, this transformation that we're looking for comes when we draw near to God. Because when you draw near to God, God draws near to you. That is not only the action, but it's the posture. When you draw near to God, he will draw near to you and you will experience transformation in God. I thank you guys for listening to this message. I'm going to pass this over to Tammy and she's going to run us into analysis. Please don't go. I think our after chat is going to be great and we're going to talk um, about quite a few things here. So I'm going to jump right into that. Much love.
3: All right. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Javier. That was an amazing word. Um, I definitely got a lot out of it and I know that you all did as well. So um, I'm not going to hold you up because I'm ready to get into the after chat and I, I know you are too. Um, we only have um, just a couple of reminders on the announcements. Um, if you aren't already following us on Instagram, be sure to do so at the Detox Movement. We have launched the podcast last week. Yay. <laughs> so this, um, sermon will be on there. Um, give it till tomorrow, um, for us to, you know, edit it, make it pretty, um, to put on, um, the podcast. The link is in the bio in the link tree. Also, um, this message will be available on YouTube as well, um, by Wednesday. So again, give us some time to edit it, make it pretty so that you can access this to rewatch or re-listen to later. Also, uh get your uh, detox movement merch. Um, you can definitely follow us at the detox brand. Aaliyah has it on. Hey, <laughs> and if you're interested in making a purchase, you can just send a DM to the detox brand, just how it sounds the detox brand. Um, we're working on uh in-person um location for uh prayer because as I mentioned before, and I'm I'm just gonna be the dead horse here that. We need to be praying, especially during this time. So, more details will come on that. Um, and yeah, and that sums up all of our announcements. Thanks for listening to me. I'm going to turn it over to the incomparable, the amazing, wonderful Aaliyah Gaskin.
4: <laughs> wow. Thank you so much, Tammy. Thank you, Javier. This was an amazing work. It's so full right now. And if you guys feel any, any, bit of the way that I feel you guys are ready to jump into these questions as well because I'm like overflowing with them. (sighs) And also I want to say anybody who has recently um, given their life to Christ, welcome. So happy for you. All of heaven is rejoicing uh, and me. So all of heaven and us here. So yes, clap it up for you. And any first time visitors, welcome, welcome, welcome. I hope it's not your last time here. Um, we are so thankful that you decided to join in. You could have joined to anybody's Zoom Bible study, but you decided to call into the detox movement. And that is amazing. And I pray that this word really blessed you. And I would just encourage you to stay in touch. We will stay in touch with you, but please also stay in touch with us. Follow the Instagram page page follow all of us individually we would love to see your faces and more with that being said I have some really lovely questions to to dive into so wow my first one my first question obviously Zacchaeus was this man who had money who had who had uh influence right we all or the people back then knew who he was right but What's so heavy on my heart is that yes, he was also short, but he was very harshly judged. And this is just coming from from verse six, when after Jesus had said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So Zacchaeus hurried and came down, and welcomed G- and welcomed Jesus with joy. And when people saw it, they all began to mutter in discontent. And <laughs> have i just wonder have you ever been in a situation where god is really about to bless you like the word says that he prepares a table in front of, in in the presence of thine enemies right and god is really like about to bless you or is blessing you and people are just mad like like the the more you draw near to the lord and the more he's he's showing his favor he he really does give his favor to those who are faithful right But then you find out that people are upset or they have something to say about you or whatever. How did that, how did you feel in that moment? And how did you overcome those feelings? Does anybody have uh, a, a, a situation that they can think of where you were being blessed and those who maybe were a little bit? I don't know, what to just say jealous, has something to say. How did you overcome it? How did God help you with that? Because clearly Zacchaeus had his own insecurities. He was short, right? He had he on top of what he felt about himself, he also had the opinions of others, right? But he was so close to Jesus, and Jesus was about to come to his house. So we see that dynamic is so. It's so opposite. So have you ever been in a situation
2: similar? And how did God help you get through it? Oh, come on that here now. Don't make me call on nobody. Hey, V. Hey. hey.
3: Okay. Go ahead, introduce yourself. Tell everybody your name. And yeah
2: go right ahead and share um, so i've experienced this um exactly what you're talking about um but in that moment he helped me to have um heart of compassion to know that um they're not where i am spiritually and so for me to just pray for that that part because they don't really they don't fully understand um and for me not to look at it in a in, like, they're, oh, they're jealous or anything, or like they're mad or looking at me in any kind of way, because then it takes away from me um, showing Christ's to them in that moment. Yeah. So I just pray for that.
4: Amen, amen. Thank you for sharing, V. And I love what you said. You met them with compassion, with Christ's compassion, with that mercy, right? And mercy is that unmerited, undeserved love and compassion for other people. That that's the mercy that the Lord shows on us, right? When well, we don't deserve it, you know, maybe we have been stuck in sin or doing something that was totally unpleasing to the Lord, but He shows us so much mercy and. I love that you said that. That that's what you do in those situations when the haters gonna hate and the potatoes are gonna potate. You still are out here truly showing them that God loves. So I love that. Um, I want to call on the next person to answer this same question, and that's Brandon. Um, Brandon, you have been giving me life all night. I just have to say your reactions, your smile, everything—it's just been like wow. So I really feel that you have a great answer to this one. (laughs) I hope I'm not putting you too much on the spot, but I would love to, I would love to hear you share what you do in a situation where God is blessing you and those who are maybe around you or, or or have an opinion about a false opinion about it. They are um, trying to discourage you from getting that blessing.
2: Um, Man. Holy Spirit is guiding me to Acts 757 when if everyone doesn't know what Acts 757 is to me it's the best example of getting through uh, and, and being a demonstration of when it's confirmation when God is moving Because Stephen was stoned and Jesus stood up according to the word. He said, you know, I'm a round of applause, this one right here, because (laughs) what he's doing is worshiping me with his life. So when somebody is doing something and they're pressing in to the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus, they're pressing in, then they're compelling the spirit of god to them so when you're compelled it's just like when somebody sings happy birthday to you something about singing happy birthday makes me want to smile i'm compelled you know and that is the confirmation knowing that the enemy is whispering things in other people's ears trying to bear you off of not reaching the hem of the garment or not trying to press to the high calling. There's levels to this, yes. But there was something that was an object where he climbed up and said, Hey, I'ma do what it takes. Whatever it takes, even if this tree breaks and branches ball, I'm willing to fall down and bust my head for you. <laughs> you know, yes. so that so I'm I'm looking at it from a compelling part where he was Kind of like silent. The ear was cut off. You know, he's silent, the people around him, but he knows that they are going to talk and they're going to say things right. to bear you off the path. So wow. that's confirmation to me. When Anytime it happens to me, it's mm. confirmation. I start laughing at it. <laughs> Amen. Because, because it's great. It's, it's, it's confirmation to knowing that this is a move of God. He doesn't bless you unless enemies are there. So you just have to know that, that that is a move of God. Come on, Brandon in the room. Uh, yes. A move of God. Amen. You know I mean? Brandon. A, 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 and be prepared. Be prepared to when yes. you want a blessing, you're going to have somebody talking all kinds of stuff. Right. And they're familiar. They're familiar with your ways. Remember, the devil is kind. He's cunning. He's sneaky. He's 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 familiar. The people are familiar. Of your ways. So yeah. you have to be able to be not distracted, but keep your eyes set on getting to that tree or getting to that object that Jesus laid aside before you. The Holy Ghost will get you to that object, whatever it be a donkey, it'll be a a, a cloth, whatever object that the Holy Spirit is going to guide you to to have you be able to be helped at the time when it's time for God to bless you because He wants to do it in the sight
4: of the enemy amen brandon thank you so much that was absolutely perfect and i knew it was a good idea to call on you i knew it so that that was uh, it was out you just knocked it out of the park Like i have nothing to add that was amazing and i i have to move on to the next question but thank you so much and i'll have to shout out levi also in the comments Bro, you're killing it out here with these comments. Thank you so much for adding in. Like, I love, I'm reading everything that you're writing. And, you know, one thing that stood out to me was when you first said, hmm, it'd be some folks you expect say, I'm happy for you. God's calling you to do that. That's what's up. Uh, Right? It'd be those ones. So thank you so much, Levi. I appreciate you, bro. Let's move on to the next question, because I think that you guys are really going to be able to sink your teeth into this one. We talked a little bit tonight about diligently seeking God. And Brandon actually touched on it uh, just in his answer just now. So how do you do diligently seek God? What is that? Is that a routine? How do you do it on the daily? How do you invite the Lord into your house every single day? And what is that walk like? And you know what? I want to act. Actually, I want to phrase this question to Ashley. Um, Ashley, I love your answers. Every week you. You also knock it out of the park. And I really do feel like this, this question's for you. Um, I might call some other people, but Ashley, I would love to hear your answer for, for diligently seeking God. How do you diligently seek him every day and invite him into your
5: house? Hey everybody. (laughs) Um, that's such a good question, Aaliyah. I think, um, most of the time, um, I think most people are always kind of going through something or experiencing something. And I don't know if this is like the best thing to do, but most of the time when we're experiencing things that are hard or uh, maybe even traumatic, that's when we reach out to God for some help, for God to talk to us, to help us through a situation. Um, But for me, I've been trying my best actually to just make it a daily thing just to talk to him and like have a real conversation When I get up in the morning or maybe when something is just like just hit me in in my spirit, in my mind or something, maybe a conversation I had with a friend or um, a colleague or so. But I think it's just good to not just talk to him when things are not going well, but to just make it a daily habit of just saying, hey, God, you know, just I'm here. I'm here again, (laughs) you know, or just thank you. Thank you for waking me up this morning. Thank you for allowing me to see this day. Thank you for the people who are in my life. Thank you for my enemies. Thank you for what you're gonna do for this day, for this week, you know, for this month. Um, and what that does for me is that it just gets me to a place of, of gratefulness. And then I'm like, okay, you know, maybe things aren't going so well, or maybe they are, but I know that I've got the Lord with me. You know, I know I've got some someone here. <laughs> if I don't have anybody else, he's there. He's got my back. So for me. Um, a daily thing is is to be conscious of being grateful and even when things are good and even when they're not good. So I I do my best first thing in the morning thank you Jesus. <laughs> you know, thank you Lord for this day. Yep. So that's what I do. Thank you, Leah, for asking. <laughs> and Ashley,
4: I know, I knew I had to. I had to ask you. I knew you had an amazing answer. So thank you every every morning when you wake up, in the good times and the bad times, and that's that's Philippians four and six at every in every situation by prayer, in every situation, good situation, bad situation, in, dis- in different situations, everything every situation by prayer. Everything. Amen. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to. I have to move on to my next question, but I really, 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 if you haven't gotten the chance to answer that last one, please put it in the comments because everybody has a different routine, you know, uh, and I'll just share really quickly. There was a season in my life where the Lord had me pray every few hours. Uh, and it was very, it was very specific prayers 6am, 9am and 12pm. And then I would do the same thing at 6pm, 9pm and 12am. So that was my, it was my schedule. And it was such a beautiful time in the Lord because I I really heard him. I heard his every instruction, every question I had in my heart, he addressed all of them. And if you're really asking for God to give you a schedule, and you're, excuse me, if you're really asking for more so clarity and needing, needing to hear him a little bit differently, a little bit more precisely, I would, I would urge you to ask him for a schedule. Ask God for a prayer schedule. I think that's going to help a lot of our um, prayer lives. Amen. So my next question, Israel was so deep in the trenches of their of their sin. Right. So we talked about a trench, a trench also being a bad place, being a a place where it's kind of like that. Everybody seemed get out on here. Um, We we talked about the sunken place, right? (laughs) Watching the movie Get Out. So a trench can be like that, like that sunken place. And the Lord Jesus was crying because he saw Israel as that sunken place. They were so deep in their sin. And had they only known had they only known that they didn't have to be in that place right and so can you think of a time now this might be a little bit of a touchy question and you don't have and, and I say this every week you don't have to answer right now this is just something for you to chew on for the rest of this week but have you thought have you ever can you go back into your mind about how the lord really picked you up out of your sin how he saw you in that trench and was like oh no not this one and Dived in and grabbed you. Can you think of the time? and if anybody is willing to share, that would be absolutely lovely? You don't have to go into detail only as much as you would like. but does anybody have a time that they could think about
2: how God brought you could, took you out of your sinful trench? Don't make me call nobody out cause I'm going to do it.
4: All right, here we go. Come on, Laura.
6: Bless us, Laura. Bless us, sis. Okay. Um, I think it kind of correlates with what you were talking about with, um, how do you integrate the Lord into your home? And I think, Um, right after I actually was divorced, there was some sin that I had to repent of and some sin that I was healing from that I had to forgive that, um, you know, sometimes you have to forgive things that are never apologized for. And, um, so when I really felt rescued from that relationship, but also from some of my own sin in that relationship. I was basically starting a new life and Javert said the verse, um, he makes all things new. I definitely felt like, okay, this is a new season. This is a time where, um, God is giving me the chance to, um, to live new. And so I did move into like my own little place. And I remember making the promise to God that, Lord, I want this place to be honorable to you. And so like, I did start a small group and things like that. But it took daily little steps and daily little convictions that the Lord was giving to me that like, Oh, nope, that's what you used to do. That's not in this new life. And you know, maybe it was, Um, drinking, or maybe it was listening to certain music, or even God really convicted me of like shows I was watching. I'm like, how can I let this into this house that the Lord has literally given me in a rescue. And so when you said like times where he's picked you up out of a trench, I felt rescued out of a trench. And I felt like from that moment on, I had to choose to honor God. And it really started in little choices. Like I was saying, like, what I'm watching on Netflix, what I'm allowing in my home. Um, And slowly, like those decisions became joyful. Like it turned into, um, Lord, I'm happy to open my home to others. And, um, And the Lord just continues to convict me of things I need to hand over to him, things I need to change, or I'll even stop myself. Kind of like creeping towards a trench and be like, nope, we're not going to fall there again. Not this, not today. And, um, yeah. So I think um, like that initial big pickup out of that really deep trench and the Lord did start to convict my heart, change my heart. Um, it just started a path of relying more on Him. And you know, no one's perfect, just like Zacchaeus, like he wasn't perfect and the Lord still knew him, noticed him, called to spend time with him and fellowship with him and ended up saving him. Like, I am not perfect. None of us are, but that does not hold Jesus back from picking us up out of our trenches, um, convicting us to make little life choices. And those little life choices turn into whole direction Mm path changes or whole detours closer to him. So I think, I think, I never want to get back to that point of God having to rescue me out of a deep, dark trench ever again, especially from my own making. Um, But I love and I welcome um, kind of the nudges and pushes that the Lord gives me of, nope, not there. Like, nope, that's not for you. Nope. You promise not to let that in your house. And kind of like the parallel between like your house and your heart, like, nope, you promise, like you're made new. That's not welcome in your heart. Like jealousy isn't welcome in your heart or bitterness isn't welcome in your heart. Like mm-hmm. you handed that over to me. So, um, kind of just the, I don't want to ever get to the place where I need a big of a rescue that I needed before. Mm-hmm. And my house is like my heart and my heart is like my house that I'm really on guard of what comes in amen
4: laura thank you so much everybody thank you so much i'm sorry we went a little bit over time but just give yourselves a round of applause this was an amazing after chat Javier. it's all yours
1: hey man guys yo you guys are amazing man you guys are i just want to say this look time's over we're about to get off don't get off just yet but we're about to get off right now i really do appreciate every single one of you and thank you to everybody who,
0: who uh who gave an answer and response. I appreciate you guys. And sometimes it's, it's difficult to like say, I'm going to say something, you know what I mean? And, and, or I have something to say and actually say it. It can be very difficult to make that bold decision. And I applaud every single one
1: of you. It's just, those are things that are, um, they're cornerstones to what God is building. And he's going to continue to build and make it better. I want to challenge every single person on here. Every single person. There's 23 people left on here right now. I looking at all the names. I want to challenge each and every single one. You get your pen, write this down. I write it down, so I want you to think about it. Where are all your pens at? Show me all your pencils, your pens. Where's everybody's at? They're there. They're cool. All right, cool. Bet, bet. All right. I want everybody to write this down. This week, if you have one or if you don't have one, this week I am going to buy a journal. This week, I'm going to buy a journal. Every person. How many people are we still got 23 people on here? Let me check. We still got 23 people on here. This week, I'm going to buy a journal. I don't care if you have one, unless it's unused. That's the only prerequisite, if it's unused. But if you don't have an unused journal, you're going to buy one this week. One thing I have learned, and we're going to bring this to a close right now. One thing I've learned over the course of my lifetime um, is that sometimes it's difficult to develop a consistent prayer life with God. Um, But everybody does it different, right? I've learned that sometimes I just forget to pray. Or life happens, or I clock into work, or whatever the case is. But one thing I realized that when I got into the habit of writing, my writing started to sound like prayers. It started to sound like conversations. And I write to God every single day. Very short stuff. Look how you see how small this book is, and like, you know, in, in correlation to like my Bible. Like, this is a really tiny book. There's not that many pages on here, but I write here every single day. Every single day I put something in the note section and I just I just start writing every day. And as I write, God begins to give me stuff. And a lot of the things that I forget are in here. I encourage you to write for two reasons. Number one, because it's going to develop that feeling of, I need to talk to God today. Oh, I didn't talk to God today. And number two, it'll give you something to remember and reference when you can't remember what you prayed about or what you prayed for. Every single day, just pray to him. God's going to speak to you. Remember that scripture as God draws near to you. Excuse me, as you draw near to God, God draws near to you. Um, Find out what that way is. Get a journal, start writing. It doesn't have to be crazy stuff. You can just talk to Him like I talk to you guys, like, God, what is up? And let Him speak to you. He will find His way through you. Um, But I want you guys to know I, I really appreciate every single one of you. Thank you for coming to this Bible study today. Thank you for being so consistent and coming every single week. I appreciate you guys so, so much. You're the cornerstone why we do this thing. I want you to know that if you didn't get anything here today, I want you to know that you are loved. I want you to know that you are blessed. And I want you to know that you are beautiful. And most importantly, you are detoxified by God's amazing grace. Remember that. Until next time, remember this right here. Jesus, He loves. Peace. Unmute yourself. Say bye to everybody. Thank you so bye. much for being here. Bye. I appreciate you guys so much. Bye. 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 Bye.
2: Bye. Bye.
0: Hey, family, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that it was a blessing to you. If you have any questions, comments, testimonies or prayer requests, we would love to hear from you. Send us a message to the detox movement on all social platforms and be sure to get your official detox brand merch at the detox And above all things, family, remember that you are loved, you are blessed, you are beautiful. And most importantly, you are detoxified by God's amazing grace. And until next week, family, God bless you.